Hello and welcome to the Darren Clarkson King podcast. I'm Darren Clarkson King and for those that listen to this podcast in its irregularity you'll know that I'm a kayaker predominantly in the Himalayas but when I'm in the UK it's in North Wales and as I said on the previous podcast there's no regularity to these but with the COVID-19 and lockdown in the UK, along with other countries, I'll bang them out a bit more often. A few people have asked me in messages, can I talk about some of my favourite kit? So that's what I'm going to do. And as always, you guys know that this podcast is not sponsored in any way. I don't get freebies and I'm just going to talk about stuff, random stuff really. So, let's kick off. My paddle. I love it. Okay? I have two. I have one that I'm super precious about. And that's my Jimmy Sticks paddle. River Sticks paddle. Jim Snyder paddle. Custom made. Big flow. Blade. I've had it ten years now. It's a beautiful piece of work. Handcrafted. Wooden paddle. With a shaft that's been made for the grip of my hands. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful blade in a trick stick style. If you want to know more about that, I'm sure you can Google River Sticks or Jim Snyder and find out about it. It's my paddle that I use for high days and holidays. So, you know, those rare high water days you get on the favourite river. Excuse me. Mouthful of coffee. You know, those those favourite high water days. Those days where the sun's out and you're with your mates and you're just cruising lines. That's yeah, I love it as a paddle. It's two hundred centimetres long and a forty five degree feather. Love it. But I don't use it all the time. Uh, principally because I'm scared of damaging it because it's a beautiful piece of work. It's a sort of so beautiful that you know you should just leave it to hang above your fireplace but I don't do that I use it and my second paddle that I'm just loving at the moment is my Letman and that's 205 on a 55 degree not that it really matters because we all have different ideas of you know length and feather and stuff like that and I paddle like a T-Rex you know I don't paddle with my, my arms out only my little pinky fingers are actually on the bend of the shaft on my Letman, which is a bit weird. I'm, you know, my hands are a little bit too close. Uh, but I find that super comfortable, and for me, that just feels right. You just feel... I don't feel good when my hands are so far... It's so much wider on the shaft. But that's down to the style of paddling I, I have and the fact that I'm pretty unorthodox and what have you. But, you know, a beautiful paddle, the Letman. Beautiful paddle. But that's a 55, and uh, my River Sticks Jimmy paddle is a 45. One's a bent and one's a straight. I don't feel that I have to adjust too much if I go from one to the other at all. I have got some old Werner Winatches that I use for ditch bashing, and they're on a 60 degree, and they're 204s, I think. Excuse me, just get me coffee again. But, you know, I really like those paddles. So that's my number one piece of piece of favourite kit. Like them both. 
My second piece of favourite kit is my helmet. And my helmet is um, it's an FNA. No effing way, bro. FNA helmet from Canada. Canada, eh? Uh, made by Farron. Who I don't actually believe makes them anymore. I have two of them. The one I'm using at the moment uh, has got fully a coverage and a little peak on the front. It's like a British British racing green, really, with gold glitter in it. And green's cool, isn't it? Well, it's not at all. Green's super bad, and if you get stuck in strainers, people are not going to see you. And I guess grass banks, it's not super good. But the glitter's cool. I have got a red and yellow one with glitter in it. It's a yellow helmet with red flames with glitter, and that's really cool. And I'll, I'll knock that one out in the summer, I think, because it's not got the ear protection. It's an open ear, open ear helmet. So I'll knock that out in the summer. I really like it. Sure, it's not got super cool padding in it. If you take a head impact on it, you're probably going to get concuss. <laughs> you know, I don't think you're right. It's like super strong helmet. But the padding on it is, you know, homemade. And that's it. So that's my paddle and my, my helmet. I like those. Bear with me a sec. And my dry suit. I love my dry suit. I love it. It's got to be eight years, ten years old, maybe. Ten years. And it's a moss green, again. shouldn't be a moss green. It should be a, darker, a, brighter, a brighter colour. But it is what it is. And it's a cockatat suit. It's the Gore-Tex one with the diagonal front zip. It's got over 200 patches inside. Send it off every now and then for service. Cockatat patch it up and send it back. It's a great... I love it. I, I live in it pretty much all winter. I live in it when I'm in the dark. Although this year I have got myself a rogue dry top in like a bright orange colour and some dry pants, cockatat dry pants. And I've got a cockatat PFD to go with it just because that's super bright. Uh, I've been wearing Astral quite a lot. I quite like my Astral. I've got a black one in Nepal. Again, not super safe colour-wise, but it doesn't fade in the sun, so... That, that's why it's in Nepal. And then I've got like the My Little Pony Blue uh, one in the UK, which matches nothing, but that's fine. It goes with my unicorn mug. But anyway, favourite bits of kit, paddle helmet and my dry suit. I feel pretty unstoppable in the, in the dry suit, to be honest. It's one of those things that, you know, you can jump in a river and, you know, if you need to jump in and clip onto boats and all that malarkey. It just seems perfect. So, you know, I like that. Then, stuff I really, really th couldn't be without for multi-days. And I've limited this down to three things. I'm sure it changes with each multi-day. But at the moment, when I do multi-day trips, I love the fact that I've got a lap bag. I've been using the watershed bags. Again, name dropping, there could be any dry bag. Watershed, don't send me these for free. But I've got the watershed. I've got for, for a long time. I used the Akoi, which is their small duffel, and that carried enough for me as like a day bag on my multi days. And inside there, I'd put a like a puffer jacket or warm jacket and snacks and other bits and bats. And then, as my so as the years went on, I got the larger version. I think it's the Chatuga. It's a bit larger. Excuse me. And the Tatuga, it's a 
really good bag. I'm not knocking it, but I find that I fill it. So the bigger the bag I have, the more stuff I put between my legs, which is not necessarily a good thing to have all that weight there. So last season, I did actually go back to the Akoi and found that I wasn't carrying as much rubbish in me uh, between my legs. Having said that, I know people that do. If you are multi-dane, don't leave your wallet in there. Don't leave your passport in there between your legs. Under my dry suit, I wear my thermals and a pair of shorts over my thermals. And I have my passport in, that, in my pocket and my shorts and my wallet. Just in case. Because I know people that have taken swims and the bags have, you know, they've had to pop the deck and the lap bag's floated off. Obviously, you don't want to tie your lap bag in on a bit of cord because if you've got to jettison your boat, you've now got a lot of webbing or cord uh, floating about that you can get your ankle caught in. And that's not very good, is it? Not very safe. So, lap bag, really good lap bag. Mm -hmm. Second thing is a really good sleeping mat. Really good. I mean, we all know the brand Thermarest. We've heard of them for ages. I have a Neo Air. I've also got a Climate uh, three-quarter inertia skeleton. That's really nice. I like that. It's tiny. Uh, fits in the pocket of me. Combat, actually. Uh, which is really good when you're doing long-haul flights, which nobody's doing at the moment, obviously. But if you're doing long-haul flights and you've got a long connection, you know, quite often flying into the Himalayas, you've got connections of eight, ten hours. And uh, you can put it in your hand, in your uh, carry-on, and then blow it up and have a kip in the airport. It's really good. Uh, I have done a trip. I've done a few trips where I've used uh, a Z-Rest type map. Uh, one trip that springs to mind is uh, panel with Crazy Dave and Jack Fantastic on the Indus in India. And we got to camp, and I pull out my, you know... Chinese made Z rest, which is not super thick, but it's not thick at all. And uh, Dave pulls out his super fat base camp mattress, and then Jack's got two mattresses, you know, like the princess and the pea. I remember Dave looking at me and going, Oh, Daz, I'm not going to sleep tonight knowing you're on that Z rest. I said, oh, Thank you very much, Dave. You know, nice to be nice to be concerned. Oh, I'm not going to sleep, I can't be laughing too much But, you know, it is what it is, isn't it? That's all I had there It was a mistake I should have had a better mattress, inflatable mattress But, you know, didn't And, you know, it is what it is So, good Thermarest we, we say Thermarest, any brand Thermarest is just a brand name, isn't it? Uh, and also, for overnights, a really good bivvy bag really good bivy bag now for most of my trips I use a box standard bivy bag made by a company called Alp Kit I have got an army surplus one they're, they're just like condoms for your sleeping bag really but the Alp Kit ones worked really well for a number of years and in a, in a bit of rain in the Himalayas last year the people that had the Alp Kit ones were pretty dry well were, were dry and those that had cheaper brands, shall we say, uh, those that had zips or non-tape seams got a bit wet. And while we can laugh at that, and laugh at the fact that people, you know, ended up soaking wet in damp sleeping bags, I've been there myself, and it's not good. 
well, going through the Triple Crown in Alaska and Northern British Columbia, we had a second night driving up, sleeping in Pemberton. I'm sure the houses now, I think it was a building site when we slept there. And uh, it rained continuously through the night. And uh, we got a bit wet. I think there was probably a litre and a half of water in the sleeping bags. And the following day, we went straight round to REI or Mech. Must have been Mech, because it's Canada. Went to went to Mech and uh, bought new ones. So I've actually got a hooped bivy uh, that I bought over there. And uh, that was it's perfectly fine. The hoop bivy. It's a bit big. Excuse me. Hoop bivy's a little bit big. But uh, it's really good on cold trips, Alaskan trips. It's really good. It's a, a, something I would take maybe on the Zarap, although it's a little bit bigger. I wouldn't take it in Nepal. I would go to the, the small. I take it a lot when I'm going hiking in Britain, you know, overnight hiking. There's enough space in it for me to get in it and put my rucksack in there. So it's, a, it's, it's not a tent. It's nowhere near as big as a tent. If you roll over, you know, you, you are going to pull the hoops away and stuff. But I really like that. So my three favourite bits of kit, and uh, we've had six bits of kit, and that's been really nice, and I've been drinking my coffee, which is even really nice as well. I hope you guys are all drinking coffee and amazing, amazingly well, well, amazingly well, and just been amazing, because it's a hard time, isn't it, this? And I hope that this podcast, you know, passes a bit of light-heartedness and a little bit of time pass. Mm. Coffee's finished. Somebody else has asked me a serious question, and as people know, I'm not super serious, but the serious question is, uh, how do you scout hard runs and blind bends? Well, you send Dave, or you send one of your mates, and if they don't scream, then it's probably safe. But there's, you know, simple things you can look at, and with experience, these these helping your decision making processes, you can try as much as possible to be on the outside of the bend, and always look for that next eddy. Don't just float into that gorge willy nilly. Outside of the bend, get your good line of sight. If there's a group, if you have quite a lot in your group, have a good chain of command and check where you're going forwards and check where you're going behind. Who's behind? Try and keep that order. Know who your back marker is, know who your front marker is. If you can't get out of your boat to scout, and this is a question that I get quite a lot, if you can't get out of your boat to scout, but the rapid's in front of you, what do you do? Now, for me, I look at the rapid backwards. So I don't look at what's in front of me, I look at what is as far as my eye line can see and work backwards. So if I can see that the slack water or easier looking water further down, I work backwards and I look at the banks. I look at the geography. Is, are the banks falling away steeply? Or is it quite a steady gradient to the pool I can see or the slack I can see? And as I work backwards, I'm looking for eddies. And for me, these are like fire doors. Because, you know, we don't go into a nightclub, do we? and not know where the emergency exit is. I'm sure when you go into your office, you know where your exits are and what your fire plan is, and that's everyday life. So why is that any different? So to me, these eddies are like safe havens. And I work back, 
So then I look for the V's because I'm quite a lazy paddler and if I don't have to boof, I won't. And I like just sitting on V's and floating down. And then I work back on the V's to where I'm sat. And as I set off, maybe I've got an eddy on river right that I know I can catch. So as I set off, I aim for that eddy. And as I get close to the eddy, I have a lot more visual. And I can see that I don't need to get my eddy because that next you know, X amount of distance in the rapid is actually all right. And I can, you know, with experience, I know I can manage it. So I set off and I go to my eddy number two that I've seen. And as I get close to eddy number two I've seen, I look, I'm looking around, I can see the V's or maybe that cheeky booth. And it's good. It's really good. I can see loads. And the river is like opening up to me, isn't it? It's showing me, you know what, this is going to be okay. We've got a flat pool coming soon. And then I don't make second eddy because I don't feel like I need to because I can see what's going on. And then as I get to third eddy, I can see there's a big hole on the line I wanted to choose. And there's no way I can avoid my line, but I can get my eddy. So I get my eddy and I rest. So now I've got a big hole that I don't really want to go into. But over the far side of the river, I can see a lovely V-tongue. And that takes me to this beautiful paradise of flatness. So it's time to punt out of that eddy and paddle and paddle and paddle and make a ferry. And then once you've made that ferry, you're in the promised land and life's good. That is basically how I run blind bends and how I run blind gorges. You've got to trust your experience that you can piece together the exit with the start where you are. And that comes through experience. A lot of people jump that step and it ain't super nice. But, you know, you have to do what you've got to do. And uh, people, you know, you need to learn on the job. I don't think there's a way of doing this by reading books and by being told it on podcasts or even watching videos. I think you, but you have to put yourself in positions where you are pushing that sensible scout, for want of a better word. As Dave says, you want to get one chance to run a rapid blind, which is true. Now, I'm not saying don't scout, don't get out of your boats, obviously. There's times when it's taken me days to scout a rapid. You know, you drive in one day and scout it all and paddle it the following day. There's times when I've put drones in there, flown a drone in, scouted it, and uh, paddled it. There's times when I've scouted it on satellite imagery. And then you get in there and you realise that your satellite imagery lies a little bit and the fact that your understanding of scale is a bit off. But things tend to work out, you know. So that, that's how I run, you know, gorges. How you run gorges? It's good in this day and age because a lot of rivers have been done. Lots of them, you know, if you like to go to the Humla or the, the Tullyberry or the Zarap, Zanskar excuse me, the Grand Canyon, they've all been done. With a bit of research and a bit of a bit of checking with people, it's easy enough to go, oh, well, after this first box canyon, there's, which is all class three, there's then a big eddy on the river left and we need to regroup in there before we go into the next box. 
or we, we get to the, you know this part of the canyon, there's going to be a huge eddy on the left and a blind horizon. This is where we need to scout. We don't have to scout before. Or this is where we know that death siphon is. We don't want to drift into that blind. We need to make sure we make that. And with enough research and chatting to enough people, you know, you're going to get that data. Now, as somebody who writes guidebooks, guidebooks lie. They lie because people's understanding of what is written is not always what the writer intends. And also rapids change. For some, but you know, as we know, grading on rivers can be a bit subjective. And for somebody, you know, a class two meander is somebody else's flat. And somebody else's class four death rapid is somebody else's class five this is horrible rapid. So we just need to be aware of that when you're looking at guidebooks. It's always, always good to talk to people in the community and ask them their advice. Or go on trips, you know, pay people like myself, take you down stuff. But if you're going out adventuring by yourself, and why shouldn't you? I mean, not at the moment, obviously. You put, you, nearest you're going to get to a, a kayak and adventure at the moment is if you sit in your bath with your paddle. But if you're planning adventures, which is a really good thing to do, and maybe I'll do a podcast on it, then, you know... Talk to the community at large. Don't expect providers to hand over information willy-nilly, but there's enough people being out to do stuff that you are going to get good, some good answers. You might get some silly answers. You know, If you ask people how many pairs of underpants you should take, don't expect them to reply. But that's all good, isn't it? That's all good. Anyway, a nice little 20 minutes of wasted time. We've all done amazingly well. I've rattled on. I hope I've given you some advice. I am going to do a podcast about freestyle, but it ain't this one. Anyway, have a lovely day. I've enjoyed speaking to nobody. I hope you've enjoyed listening to me. And again, drink some coffee, take a deep breath, look out of your window. We're going to get through this gang. Cheerio.